You uh, wanted to see me, Zach? Corelli, we got a situation here. Oh, what, what's up? Well, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and this web slinger is all over the place. He's not just in movies. He's in cartoons, comics, coloring books. I want to talk about all of it. So what what are you what are you saying exactly? Get me more podcasts of Spider-Man. More? We already released Spider-Man Minute five times a week. You don't think that's enough? There's seven days in a week, Corelli. Where's my Sunday Gazette, my Saturday edition? Uh, Weekend Bugle? Oh, I like that. But what if we called it The Weekend Bugle? Yeah, The Weekend Bugle, sure. Oh, and another thing. How do we start monetizing this stuff? I want a quarter every time somebody listens. Well, why don't we put The Weekend Bugle on Patreon? Patreon? Yeah, our listeners can go to duelinggenre.com slash support, become a patron for $5 a month, and gain access to The Weekend Bugle and all the other bonus podcasts we put on Patreon. Fantastic idea, Corelli. Glad I thought of it. They don't want us to be famous. Patreon will make us infamous. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 2 one practical puppetry minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Dan Gavazdan from The Amazing Spider Talk. And boy, do you guys keep me busy editing. <laughs> I, they just keep coming out every day, Dan. I mean, we I told know. you this when we pitched you the show. Yeah, well, you could have given me these audio files more than the night before. I just like this turnaround is killing me. It's nuts, right? Yeah, no, but you do so well at it. So we figured uh, keep throwing more challenges your way. But <laughs> thanks yeah. again for being on the mic this time uh, for Minute 60. Returning again, uh, Minute 60 is the one that begins with Peter slipping down the wall again and ends with Otto smoking and tinkering in his waterfront lair. Um, mm-hmm. So this, um, you know, I, I said that uh, the, the fall from yesterday was probably the, the second most hurdy looking fall. <laughs> um, I actually think it's this one because it's just right in the tailbone. That just, Ooh. yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just looks like it hurts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> made even better by the fact that the water like splashes up like twice. Like in that yeah. minute, it's like an abnormally <laughs> big splash. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It really, you just feel horrible for him. Um, and again, as often as we can, I do like to shout out Chris Daniels, the uh, um, main stunt double for, for Toby here for taking the brunt of a lot of the action stuff in this one. And th- this fall especially, they just did it with a real guy. I- I'm, I'm sure they had some stuff to help protect him, but he really just falls and then bonks his head, and it just, I hate it. Like, it just takes... <laughs> by which I mean, it's great, but, like, it just makes me so uncomfortable watching it. I'm just like, oh, oh ow, ow. Yeah. You do his, not want to be that guy. All of his falls, they never have a bounce. It's just like, I'm just going to hit this flat yeah. and stay down, uh, which is probably what he was thinking in the moment anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, a, a real trooper. Uh, <laughs> also uncomfortable are uh, Peter's wet gloves here. Um, yes. Yeah. Those are, that's, ugh, God, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. Just whoa, puddle wet gloves. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, no, like, I mean, wet gloves suck regardless, but, like, wet spandexy gloves that are soaked with, like, trash juice, like... <laughs> yes! Uh, uh, the, oh, the yeah, mo- I didn't even... I didn't even... Yeah, no, that makes it even worse that it's right next to a dumpster. <laughs> That's... Oh, God, that is disgusting. But Spider-Man is only a menace, really, because he just smells so bad. Yeah, yeah. nobody can... <laughs> Oh, it's true. People run from him. You know, the rat. Like, Superman's not having to work out when he flies, right? He just like pushes off and goes. But Spider Man's yeah. working to sweat all the That's, time, right? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. All the effort. He's got to stink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And he's only got one of these suits. That's canonical in this series. He only yeah. has one. <laughs> uh, we only see know. him wash it once, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. In all Four three choices. movies. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the first time it's been washed since he made it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Or no, what well, did we come up we, with? That this we has know to be that's a second true. One? Yeah. No, no, no. We we know that that's true because it was still bleeding yes, on his clothes. Yes. It was the first time that it ever happened. So he was like, <laughs> "Oh, this is a mistake." And You're the totally only way recontextualizing this whole movie for me. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The only way, the only way that that would be a surprise to him would be if he's never done it before. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um maybe he dry however many it. <laughs> Yeah, dry cleans. Barring however many months he was just running around with the like tattered half mask version from the end of the first film, uh, <laughs> had to, did some magical repairs and maybe this is a new fabric he's trying out for this version of the suit and it's he had it's not color fast at all and he had no idea till then. Anyway, oh, yeah. he stinks no matter which way you slice it and doubly doubly this time because it's trash water. Ah, I mean this is this moment with the gloves like shaking the gloves is. It's not like rock bottom for Peter, but it is literally him down in the dumps. And mm-hmm. I like I like the visual <laughs> symmetry with like the time that he first discovered this like magical power of wall climbing or whatever was in the the alley after school. I guess he cut school then, but it's daytime, right? And it was yeah. a secluded alley he went to to like test this out and there was that moment of pure joy where he like yells out woohoo, you know, with that like almost Tarzan <laughs> s- scream. Um, and this is, this is the like mirror opposite of it. Like this is the dark reflection of that. You know, it's a rainy, sad nighttime alley and he's losing everything. And I just, the little gesture, like it's all ruined, but he tries to shake off some of the gunk. It's just so human to me. God, it's awful. Yeah. (laughs) Rainy, he loves his alleys, uh, in these movies. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of. A lot of alley work going on in uh, <laughs> these Spider-Man movies. Rainey's New York is like perpetually stuck in the 1980s. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you could imagine, like you know, turtles getting mutant slime just down an alley or two from here. <laughs> yeah. Dark man stumbling out and going. The next thing is one of my favorite things in this minute is that Spider-Man spots a newspaper, but it's not like he just like sees it out of the corner of the eye. The way the camera moves, it's almost as if the newspaper startled him. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, oh my God, a a newspaper. What's that doing there? Yeah. It's almost like, like last week when he saw, or I guess it was earlier this week when he saw MJ at the party and then like the camera moves to adjust like, oh, what's happening here? This discovery beat is... It's funny to me, but also, you know, cinematic. It feels like a movie here. Uh, mm-hmm. I just sure. like that we see a little bit of ruffling in the wind and Peter spots it. And then we, too, as the audience, adjust to see it. I just I think it's fun. Think no, it's, it's fun. good. Yeah. And but again, we have now, you know, further questions about his power set, which is he's losing his powers, which include his 2020 vision. It's reverting back <laughs> to... <laughs> His poor vision from the beginning of the first movie. Uh, and I, I just, wow. A uh, lot of stock being put in uh, uh, psychological problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. This, I mean, I guess if we're in the world where, uh, you know, a mad scientist like Doc Ock makes these mechanical arms and, you know, offhand they can influence his personality, maybe like, psychological stuff has like an extra like power set in this world where mm-hmm. it can it can affect the physical reality of things to a um you know almost cartoonish degree but i've never really thought about that kind of parallel mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the spider-man psychology and doc's ox psychology and how their powers are influenced by it. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I've never thought about that before. Uh, I'm giving you an A+. Plus. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> yeah, I'm a professor, I suppose I should say. Yeah, it, um, the world is always, in, in some subtle ways, not normal or slightly heightened. But I think this is one of the ways where uh, it it kind of sticks out a little, but not in a bad way. Just the idea that the psychological state of the characters is literally affected by or affects the real world, like physical stuff that they deal with. Um, maybe that's why MJ's hair is different in this movie. I don't know. Like maybe there's something to it where, 
you know, Harry's Harry's like whole demeanor and you know, and physical presence has changed in this movie, and uh, it's a to much lesser degree than the people with superpowers. But there's something I don't know. There's some cinema thing there that I dig. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, in this this newspaper, we never get a clear shot at it because it's sort of um, you know going in and out of focus to show that his eyesight is uh, being lost. But this this image of Spider Man. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the this is the image of Spider-Man that he drew when he was designing the costume in the oh, first movie, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it did. It is that like one leg back pose that Wait, he drew where the with, where he's web, yeah, where he's shooting out the web and everything. Like yeah, yeah, the Jimenez drawing. Yeah, yeah, the Jimenez drawing. Right. That is crazy. What what's oh, also- I always thought it was a photo, but maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. No, what we mean is that it is a photo, but he's reproducing the pose that he originally drew for himself Got when it. he was imagining right. himself with the costume. Yeah. Um, the other thing that strikes me about this photo is I think Peter is playing really fast and loose with the believability of his photography excuses. Because not only is this like a dynamic shot of Spider-Man, it's on a slanted rooftop like dozens of stories above the ground like <laughs> did what is what is his explanation for jonah for this one he's like yeah well you know he said this would be a good spot for a photo so i climbed out onto this rooftop yeah because like, it's <laughs> it looks like he's standing on the side of a building because it looks like bricks yeah but it's uh, slanted i don't know like there's yeah, just some, i think it's just at a weird angle there's so know. much depth in the background that i'm like how did you take this photo i mean i i know how in the ac- the actual version of him taking the photo is yeah I hung up my camera here and I posed a bit but how did his like liar excuse version of Peter Parker take this photo I mean, that's, believably that's why I I love the excuse in the comics which is just you know they ask him that once and he's like I'm not gonna answer that and if you want me to answer that I'll take my photo somewhere else. Nice. <laughs> and they're just like, okay, okay, I mean, we want the photos, so well, I guess I'll stop asking you where you get them. My favorite thing about this uh, newspaper is that it reminds me of one of my favorite covers from Amazing Spider-Man comics. Mm. Um, there's the John Romita cover from Amazing Spider-Man number 56, oh. uh, where Spider-Man is brainwashed by Otto to join oh, him yeah. uh, robbing banks. And it, the cover of it is both of them like bursting, you know, on the cover of a newspaper with all the negative headlines. And it's I gotta think, you know, for someone who loves John Romita's run of Spider-Man so much, mm-hmm. I gotta think that this is a call out to that, you know, from the production crew. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. Absolutely. It's a great, great front page image. It's just. <laughs> I just feel bad for Peter. And 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 one of again, like we mentioned earlier in the week, one of the few times that there's a transition that I think actually works really well here. I mm-hmm. I like I really like the newspaper transition. It is it away. is good, but I I I love the idea that Peter took that newspaper all the way home and just brewed about it. <laughs> just just stewing like all the way home and he's still stewing. He went home. He took a shower. He got changed. He's still stewing, stewing and then he throws it to the other side of his room. <laughs> I definitely think it's worth mentioning that when we're in the alley, he looks down at the newspaper and we see it out of focus and he doesn't have gloves on his hand. So it cuts to his oh. apartment, but then it cuts mm-hmm. back to him again in the alley looking down at it. So the two scenes oh. are like weirdly being merged together between yeah. gloves, no gloves. And then the background fades in from blackness into his apartment. It's a beautiful uh, little moment there. There's yeah. A, yeah. So much more they, artistry than you would just notice casually looking at it. Totally. Yeah. Cause they only shot coverage of the paper in the apartment setup. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same editing trick that they used with the guy with the pizza. Um, how we talked about how that was oh, yeah. all in one shot, and then they they went and they they added that extra shot of him like the of Spider Man landing on the building mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. diagonally from from his balcony, and then right to, uh, break it up. to just to give it that extra beat. And uh, it looks like they they used a similar editing trick here where they didn't they didn't shoot it that way, uh, but the editor edited it that way that way right yeah yeah with like uh because i i assume the way they storyboard and shot it and the way they storyboarded and shot the sequence on the day in the alley like in the on the the back lot was they had peter 
grabbing the paper and looking at it, and we'll get the shot of him squinting at it. And then we will cut to the interior shot later where he's looking at the paper and we see it all blurry. But instead, we wanted to drive home that he can't see it very well already. Right. So we, we put that shot a tiny bit earlier. And it, but it, bl- it blends them together in this fun way where, yeah, we go from gloves to no gloves to gloves, and then we're permanently in the other spot. It's a brilliant mm-hmm. transition. And then uh, yeah. another thing I love about the shot in the apartment scene that we get to is you can mm. see that Empire State Building that we just talked about out yeah. his window. So it really gives you a, like a sense of place about where we just were <laughs> and where we are now. Right. This yeah. this uh, this apartment is expensive. Uh with yeah. a view like that. Oh my god. It's so funny how how different the space looks just when we can see his ridiculous view. Like Yeah. Our, <laughs> like our initial like introduction to Peter's apartment was just literally the opposite angle where we're on the other side of his bed looking towards the door. Um it just looks so drab and like small and like sad. But when we look it out this way, and it's like, yeah, no, like full <laughs> skyline view in New York City with a clear shot of the Empire State Building. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, Peter, I guess you're making more with this uh, photography gig than I thought you were. Well, how much yeah, is he but- withholding in rent from Dickovich? Right, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He probably owes like a couple grand at yeah. this point. That's why, get, yeah, that's why he's so, uh, you know, upset every morning. Rent, you know, he's bad. Yeah. No kidding. You barely hold just, it together. Just a victim. My God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I was taking my notes for this, I kind of wrote that it almost seemed like an odd choice to use this more flattering shot of the of the apartment. In in so much as like he looks more isolated from the other direction. Like when early in the in the film, when we see him come home and there's just the single bulb in the middle of the room, and it's just boy, it's just isolated and alone. But the right. more I I sort of like stewed with it, I thought, like you said, Dan, it was important to put him in the context of the city in that the city is still out there and he's not helping it right now. Yeah. Right. Like, That's true. It's, it's good to see it, even if it makes the apartment look a little ritzier. You know, he's got his pillows and he's got a night, uh, a, a nightstand lamp on now this time. It just, it looked so much more sad, which is the single bulb in the middle of the room and the blank walls. But now it's like, you know, We've got to see Peter, and we've got to see the uh, the context. And so, yeah, throw it in the background there. And the kind of creepy photo of Mary Jane on his bedside table. Oh, yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. Just behind his elbow. Yeah. Just... No, I, it, I, we, I think we've talked about this before. It's the it's it's a screenshot from the first movie yes, of that's him right. yeah. looking of her looking and and he thinks that she's waving at him or that that she's waving at him but she's waving at her friends behind him. Right. Um, right. Yeah, it's not yeah. actually <laughs> it's not a that photo shouldn't exist. <laughs> right. It definitely shouldn't. Um we go we throw over from like a very, you know, hey, a photo who will notice to like fo- a, a a photo inclusion that I think is like kind of a nice bit of world building in that on the opposite, like on the right-hand side of the screen, on on one of his walls, he's hung up recent prints of some of his quote-unquote boring photos that uh, that JJ didn't like. He's hanging them up to dry as if... Oh, yeah. Yeah, as if he can turn his space into a dark room or something, and he's just made a few of them. I just like that... Well, JJ doesn't want these, but I still think they're nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's still out there trying to do his slice-of-life New York portraits and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, and then we get a reminder that Dr. Octopus is in this movie. Um, hey, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not doing anything super active right now, but that's because it takes time to build a, a, a city death machine. Um, yeah, you got to order you know. the parts from Acme and they're going to come in your big old Acme crates. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, love I, I love that he, I love the idea that he ordered everything uh, but asked for it about like, you know, I, I want it. I want to order everything that I ordered already a few months ago, but I just want everything bigger. You just give it, <laughs> get, make it just bigger, like twice the size that it was before. That would be great. Is yeah. nobody tracking this? I mean, first of all, you got this guy <laughs> crawling around with giant arms you can't keep track of. And second of all, like a little suspicious that somebody's like, is the mailman pulling up to this like abandoned warehouse? Yeah. Like, Where I guess I'll drop this? this atomic bomb off here. I mean, <laughs> seems oh, normal man. to me. Yeah, there's those two uh, those two computer carts in the back. Um, he's got his computer curtain. That's right. Yes. back there. 
theatrical uh, curtains. I, I just, it's so funny because I, I love the idea that Doc Ock was like, okay, well, we got to rob this bank for this money. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no, no reason that we need to like steal all of these individual items. You know, let's, let's pay the small businesses, uh, their, <laughs> their fair share. Um, uh, but you know, the bank, you know, they're insured. It's fine. We'll just right. yeah. steal the, the bags of coins from the bank to pay for these things. <laughs> and we'll have them shipped to my abandoned layer on the beer. You can't just like Mark. break into the Amazon warehouse and find these right away. I mean, they've <laughs> no, got no, a pretty just... like, you know, hidden aisle for like nuclear warheads, you know, like that's <laughs> Well, I think he I mean, no, you just go to the you go to the warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark to get this stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. Yeah. You yeah. know, covered in hay and, and all that stuff. Like nobody's using have <laughs> have plastic bubbles not been invented yet in this world? <laughs> It's so much more fun with the wooden crates. I really dig it. Um, and as we all know, it's post-1985, so plutonium and stuff is available at every corner drugstore. He's, uh, you know, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's easy as pie to get all this stuff. Um, I, right. I, I mean, it's again, it's uh, sort of grading on a curve here with this transition because we just fade to black. Okay, whatever. And then we open the crate to start the scene, and that's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. As far as transitions go... Uh, better than better than they've been um and i like that when we enter into the big shot of showing off the arms and stuff we have a we still pull a physical prop out of the crate like Mm -hmm. the the tentacles aren't practical until we get to the close-up stuff later but when we open the scene we still are in an actual crate and we lift a physical object out somehow to sort of bridge those um you know bridge that magic trick back together again i really like how big and sweeping this shot is just showing off the layer showing off welding things that we're doing i don't know like the yeah. tasks aren't that distinct it looks like well, an I, audio I, bay in the background there i'm like is he putting on yeah. the best rave ever hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really what it looks like i just love that he is he is really given uh mo the stink eye as, it's, <laughs> as he's uh mo is the name of that that particular arm that's carrying mm. that object um yeah. he's really just giving mo the stink eye like as it as, as it's pulling out this part and taking it over to the he's to like, the table behind right? him yeah did you drop mm. are you gonna drop it again like last yeah, time right <laughs> <laughs> i love the idea this is like the third one he's had to buy because mo <laughs> keeps dropping them <laughs> oh like, man i can only that's trust great. three of you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I like too that like so okay so I don't know the names of the bottom ones as well they're fairly interchangeable to me but either Larry or Harry is over there welding random bits of uh, like flat bar together in the corner um, I'm yeah. not sure what for but it's fairly active and um, you know the other one is just like scanning stuff with a with a light but the the thing about yeah. the welding inventory. Is, <laughs> oh and yeah he's doing inventory um the thing about the welding that gets me is it doesn't look like he's using an actual like mig welder or tig welder or something it's just the arm itself has a welding doohickey in it which is there's some sort of intense electrical scary thing hidden there which makes a lot more sense than like the hidden blades and stuff so is this another like late night edition that the arms like yeah. cooked up for him while he was sleeping. Like I think. I mean, oh, at this point, I think these arms are basically Swiss Army arms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Swiss armies. All, yeah, Swiss <laughs> armies. Yeah. <laughs> what are they, I, my name is Doctor Octopus, and these are my Swiss armies. <laughs> are they chocolate? What, what do you mean? No, because they they do a lot of stuff. They do stuff. Oh, I'll work on the quips later. Um, it's just fun. I mean, all this. A layer nonsense is fun. Um, yeah, I have to say the the sentient arms is my least favorite thing in this movie. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. I just don't really know where it fits in. I mean, you made a great suggestion earlier about the kind of psychology, the twin psychologies of these characters, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of lets him off the hook a bit. That and, and it's never established like why. I mean, he suggests there's an artificial intelligence, but what this artificial intelligence wants to do with blowing up New York or whatever, uh, right. or why it's so intent on helping him rebuild his, you know, scientific fortune. 
is, mm-hmm. is a little beyond me. I always felt like Molina sells it completely. And then especially mm-hmm. in the final moments where he's like talking them down and overpowering them in his mind. But, yeah. but I never really understood the mechanics of how it worked. It seems to go here and there when they want to kind of give Otto a way out to be somewhat redemptive or more empathetic, you know? Mm-hmm. But to me, mm-hmm. it seemed like a bit of a cop out because it's like, here's a guy who's a victim of this yeah. thing instead of a guy who like Peter gets powers and decides to, that he's still better than everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it under, it undersells like what has always made Otto the most interesting Spider-Man villain to me is that he's mm. essentially what Peter Parker would become if he didn't learn the lesson of uncle Ben. And here that's not even like a part of it. It's that he just is controlled by this other mind. Right. It's, kind it's, of, yeah. it's the, it's the idea, the, mm. the, the theme of what's, what Peter could be is still there, but it's, it's actually more of a wish fulfillment thing with, with like aspirational, you know, yeah. right. Aspirational with like, Oh, he's got this great wife who's supporting him and he's a scientist. He's all these things that Peter wishes that he could be um, as opposed to the opposite of that, which is in the comics, which is that, you know, he's everything that Peter could be, but doesn't want to be. Right. Um, and so I think they, they sort of flipped the script a little bit on, on that aspect of it. As far as how the AI works, we've come to the conclusion that the AI is necessary in the arms to control the sort of like nuanced movements of the arms. Because if you have never had appendages like this before, it would be difficult to control them, but if they have AI and they can hear your thoughts of just be like, I want you to do this, then the AIs can be like, oh, by this, they must mean move this and this and this and this, like move, move this in digit this and this and this. Yeah. yeah, in this yeah. way and this. Yeah. Because um, like even just the idea of having something inside your arm that you like shoot out in the middle of your palm or something, even just something like that. It doesn't, I, you know, you have no frame of reference for that. And so the AI would help give you a frame of reference for that. And when the inhibitor chip is destroyed, it basically opens up the pathway between the two of them. So when you say the arms have aspirations to build this machine, they don't, they're an outlet for Otto's egomania. Yeah. Right. Um, because they are they are they are pulling that out of Otto and then making it their personality. And so what you end up having is this sort of um, this split personality of just like, oh, my m- being my ego is what killed Rosie. It's what caused this accident. Um, I, you know, that is a huge mistake. And he was a, a whole person that was both an egomaniac but also this sort of aspirational figure for Peter. And mm-hmm. now he is the aspirational figure is a victim of his ego, right. uh, which is represented in these arms. Yeah. That's the best that we can do as far as making <laughs> sense of how this works, because you're not wrong. It isn't, it, it is, you know, when you compare it to the character in the comics, it is baffling that they went this direction. Yeah. Um, but but I think that it works for the overall themes like Zach was talking about earlier and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, you, um, you put it really well. I just there's a version of this movie where, you know, Otto is, you know, like accidentally the cause of the death of his wife and becomes a, like a, a ridicule in the newspaper in the same way that Spider-Man is. And instead of mm-hmm. taking it the way Peter does because of the lesson of Uncle Ben, he becomes obsessed with proving himself superior to these people or, uh, like, sure. or you know, redoing his experiment to prove them all wrong. You know, and, th- and that's partially here. But I feel like the mm-hmm. AI thing, I, I know you're expressing it wonderfully, but I don't think the mm-hmm. movie expresses it that way. And in its final moments, you know, like where he's facing down this beast – that seems to be mm-hmm. trying to like coerce him. I think the movie mm-hmm. lets him off the hook a little bit when it could really have like left that all alone and let just let him be overcome with his own mad ego and and and, totally. and broken yeah. pride. You know, it's and I and I think to to a certain extent when he's taking over the arms, he's not mm-hmm. taking over the arms. He's taking over his own ego. He's 
like, mm-hmm. you know, saying, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not letting my ego take control of me. I am go- not going to die a monster because of my own ego. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to, I'm going to shut this down and save the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's, I, you know, I, you did, they definitely let him off the hook, but it's, it's also an element of, well, if you're going to kill your bad guy in every movie, um, <laughs> I, you know, maybe giving, giving him an entire emotional arc, I think is, um, is interesting. Whereas right. whenever they eventually get back around to doing Dr. Octopus in the MCU movies, I do want to see more of that, that superiority version of, of, uh, Otto Octavius. Yeah. yeah. Um, that you're talking about a hundred percent, because I think, I think that version of the character, uh, lands better in a world where he's not just a one and done villain. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, right. I, I love this character, but I, it's something I've always fought with, with this movie. It's like, you know, they, they made it, um, they took the subtext of like his ego and made it text, right? Like it, you know, in the way right. that superheroes mm-hmm. often do, right? Like the, like you're saying, the, it's not just just his ego. It's that like his ego is the arms, you know. And I wonder mm-hmm. like what this movie would look like if his ego was just allowed to be his ego. Um, and, totally. And, yeah. and I I don't know that it necessarily would be better, but it's something I always think about. Sure. Absolutely, because that that is the single biggest shift from the comics character that they that they sure. did for sure. it. Um, I think Dan, you hit on something really uh, kind of salient there with the idea of. Uh, the difference between the, like an external, ju- I mean, an internal justification about like, I have to do this bigger, better because I'm smart and right versus I'll show them all. And like the I'll show them all aspect, that sort of external validation thing is the the flavor of classic awk that I think is missing here. And I, I totally get like wanting to see that in the film or sure. the, next, the next iteration of him, but... And it's the same thing as like the, you know, uh, webbing and powers going away that we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they could have very easily, you know, just had, like, like you said, having an external thing makes it a little easier to communicate yeah. to an audience, you know, and this might've been a similar decision to that, which is like, well, if we give the arms something to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we can explain this a- away. And I think it makes it a little too complicated, mm. but like, I think I think that they made that call and said, you know, uh, like this, we can make this theme come across to people that, you know, might not pick up on that, you know, by giving it an external character to represent it the same way Peter's own, you know, crappy feelings about himself manifest themselves in his powers. Totally. You could easily just not done that and hadn't been a down in the dumps guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting take, and the other approach would also be interesting, and I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, I, th- and I, I think, think the movie and I, works. And I think after Superior Spider-Man, there is little to no chance that we won't see that version of Doc the next time he shows up in a movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, uh, I am so, I am definitely looking forward to that. Me too. Um, guys, I just want to say I love the puppets doing the cigar thing. It, mm-hmm. I just think it's really fun and it's really well-timed and this must've been hard as hell to do on the day, but they make it look slick and simple. And I like that you can physically see them doing the bit with a real cigar and real match and everything. I don't know. I I wonder how, how uh, nerve wracking that was for the puppeteers on the day of just (laughs) having an open flame next to this really expensive puppet. Yeah. And the, you know, one of the lead actors. like Yeah, that too. It's face. <laughs> yeah, just take this open flame and put it in my face. <laughs> and you know they had to do it many times because he had to get that perfect, you know, smoke blow. Oh, that yeah. smoke blow is excellent. That, mm-hmm. is, a, that is choice. Uh, um, what I like about it too is that, you know, the conceit of this scene is that like Otto's in here tinkering he's doing all sorts of things with his arms and with his hands uh, you know this is him and his element uh if you do the gag with the tentacles doing something that the hands would normally do there is a moment where I'm about to think well why isn't he just doing this with his hands but then he uses his hands to lift his goggles right as I'm about to think that and then uh-huh. switches right into the cool like take the cigar away, blow the thing where I'm just so overwhelmed with how <laughs> badass that is. Yes. I, I'm totally on board. Like he has his evil goggles on, he's smoking the cigar, he lifts them up and just, whew, it is, 
so slick and so cool. <laughs> Don't I smoke, kids. It. It's not good to smoke, but it looks cinematic as all get out. I tell you what. Mm-hmm. Not it's good true. for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good for you, no. Um, because I'm a comic nerd coming here on your show, um, and I, I get the sense that you guys are big comic nerds as well, I did mm-hmm. want to point out something that happened recently in Spider-Man comics that made Ooh. me think of you guys. And I was like, I, I can't <laughs> wait to share this when I come on their show. But um, oh, uh, in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 42, which just came out, mm-hmm. uh, Tritium makes a, a, a <gasps> there. Oh, no way. I think it's the first time that it's shown up in at least a Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and it has to be a, a call out to this movie. I mean, there's no way totally. that you oh, mentioned God, Tritium. And yeah, there's, it, there's in this, in this issue, there's a statue uh, at the center of this city that turns out to be made of Tritium. That basically is like an H bomb. And so they have what? to get this Whoa. statue out of the city. So yeah, amazing Spider-Man annual Number forty two. Uh, is that a is that a Christos Gage issue or some? Or is it's that a Dan, Dan Slott issue? It's Dan Slott. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> the influence of this movie is long and uh, wide reaching, kind of like these arms. Um, God, that's cool. <laughs> have you guys talked about out. where this kind of nuclear threat uh, has appeared in the comics? Uh, you know, Otto seems to. Um, I don't know if it's related to this movie, but, um, you know, in his early days, there were a few nuclear things related to him, but it does seem when he comes back, he does threaten the, uh, city with some giant bit of radioactivity, uh, to blow up New York. And it happens over and over and over again. Have you guys talked about this on the show? No, not specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a good example, go for it. Sure. I mean, like in the John Romita senior run, you know, uh, you know, Otto, his first few times, he doesn't really have big machinations of you know uh, of, of taking over the city, but he eventually does try to marry Aunt May, uh, right. so that he can <laughs> so he can acquire an island from her that she's like apparently inheriting. You know, comics. <laughs> uh, cool, <laughs> and, and that goes belly up in the worst way possible. But um, you know, involving like the ghost of Hammerhead and all this stuff. And then, of course, yeah. and then Otto becomes like a homeless man because he forgets who he is, even though like <laughs> looking at his body, you'd think it'd be fairly obvious that he's <laughs> Dr. Octopus. Um, um, and uh, later, uh, you know, Otto would be beaten up by Spider-Man so many times that he would become like completely uh, afraid of Spider-Man to the point of like yeah. hysterics. So he tried to kill Spider-Man by activating like a nuclear reactor, but just to kill like one dude with like the fallout of New York, like being a weird side effect. And and, and that story resolves itself in an awkward way where like Spider-Man allows Otto to beat him just so that they can like team up now that Otto's overcome his fears and and help each other deactivate this nuclear weapon and he's come back a bunch of times after that always with these kind of nuclear threats and uh, (laughs) this movie like you know it seems to kind of capitalize on it on that and i was thinking about this because i thought well it's weird that he seems to be threatening this whole city you know maybe not intentionally but it doesn't seem to be a threat that Otto normally does and then when thinking about it i was like actually no yeah. <laughs> Otto does seem to threaten New York with nuclear activity quite uh, quite commonly. Yeah. I mean, it's a good scientific uh, danger zone to right. uh, to access for, for, I don't know, for these types of things. That's, a, that's amazing. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining the, like, all the thought bubbles and, like, uh, Spidey's decision-making process there to, like, okay, I'm just going to have to throw this fight for, <laughs> for the sake of everyone. <laughs> That's the heroic yeah. sacrifice, uh, as yeah. exemplified in the comics. So, yeah. so Dan, you, uh, you know, very famously, when we we had you on uh, for the first film last season, mm-hmm. uh, you very famously talked about how uh, you wanted, you basically wanted to cry when you left uh, the original Spider-Man film. Um, did you feel better about this one? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I yeah. love this one. I I think I, okay. I I I liked this one a lot when I first saw it. I was like, all right, this is what I wanted, but I didn't mm-hmm. really like think about it as a like great film. Like I saw it like 
once or twice, I think, in the theaters and was like, all right, that's a lot more in line with what I wanted, but I'm still not like ecstatic about these movies. But I I rediscovered it in college. I just watched it with a friend again. And it like mm-hmm. totally clicked for me in the way that like it rightfully should have the first time. And <laughs> I, I, I now think this, you know, I still don't love the first Spider-Man movie, but to me, sure. this movie is the best superhero movie ever made. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, it just, yeah. Sam Raimi's direction comes through here so clearly. It's just, every shot is a joy to look at. To me, this is mm-hmm. like, if I could watch films like this every day, I mean, life would be worth living. I mean, it, it yeah. is worth living, but <laughs> but it would be better. It would be better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the film that, like, I'm not saying we're always chasing this high specifically. I I don't think that sort of the big um, the big universes that are in charge of superhero stuff are trying to make this type of movie anymore. But just in terms of like the the huge across the board four quadrant love that people had for this movie was such a unique point of time. And mm-hmm. I, I love thinking about it and, and feeling the way I felt then, which I do every time we watch it for the show. Well, it's perfect for what you guys are doing because the craft is so evident in Sam right. Raimi's movies, especially in these, like that you can talk about the puppets and the CGI, like the, you can watch this movie and every shot is considered, you know, like, yeah, I refuse to believe that there was like a second unit on this film. Like <laughs> ev- everything in it is so like, there's so much care put into it and, and it's a level of intimate that I don't think any, you know, other movies in the superhero genre really have. I mean, I love the dark Knight like anybody else. Sure. Yeah. But like this thing feels so much more like, a love letter to this character from a creator than anything we've seen in any other superhero movie. Like, yeah, I think James Gunn loves his characters, but I think Mm. he loves the characters that he created in this. It's like Sam Raimi clearly loves both Spider-Man and filmmaking as like a major passion in his life. Yeah. And, uh, it just comes across and I, I don't think any movie has come close to, understanding its protagonist and their world in terms mm-hmm. of superheroes. Um, you know, maybe the original Superman movies. Um, but, yeah. but to me, this is head and shoulders. Everybody wants to claim the newest superhero movie is the new best one. But mm-hmm. I mean, like I'll let them know, I'll write a letter to them when I, <laughs> when I, when I see one that I think really gets even close to this thing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's going to be, it's, it's going to be tough because you know, the thing about understanding your your protagonist is that you need to be focused enough on your protagonist. And mm-hmm. that's ultimately the issue with these uh, big universe spanning movies is that you're not focusing enough on your protagonist. And, right, you right. know, I, I as much as I, I have a great time watching a, a Homecoming, you know, there's a lot going on in that movie. And Peter certainly has an arc, but it's not like the arc in this. Right, right. Yeah. Um. I think, Dan, you got another great adjective for our adjective board here, where we, we usually bang the gong of earnest a lot, but I think um, intimate is, an, is a nice way to, to delineate the approach that these films have, that yeah. they're, they're intimately knowledgeable about the protagonist and what the character means, and that's on a, a higher priority level than a bunch of other whiz bang stuff and and the mm -hmm. medium too like Mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. a filmmaker's film but it's also a comic book film in a way that like other movies now have kind of moved past the medium like they're their own thing like the marvel cinematic universe is its own thing like yeah to the point that i don't even know if it affects comic sales anymore like it is taken on its own (laughs) like life and there's still a lot of comic-y stuff i mean Thor Ragnarok's got definitely some Kirby influences, but it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it doesn't seem like a comic to me as much as mm-hmm. this, this movie does. It like it is, uh, you know, the one of the joys of comics is that you can see the craft right in front of you. You know, it's not a slick mm-hmm. product for the most part. Like right. people 
people still clearly delineate like I love so and so's inks, I love so and so's colors because you mm-hmm. can differentiate them from each other. And I feel right. this movie is the same way too. Like you can watch this and go, oh, like this is the cameraman getting a flare in. Here's a cool sound bit. Like yeah, you can find the joy in the little moments and the way that I used to with Star Wars where I would watch yeah. it a million times and find all the joyous little details in the way that the new Star Wars to me seems so much more like a package. It's like, you know, it's so slick. They get how it works. And I, I mm-hmm. want to see something a little rougher that like is taking joys in the figuring out how the little pieces fit. Um, yeah. The discovery of how it works, which maybe only yeah. happens when you're the first type of movie that did this. Yeah, maybe, uh, right. maybe, but yeah. these, these are both like a first of their kind, but also a master class in that. And so like, I don't know mm-hmm. that anything will ever be able to operate in this territory. Like until we get like effects that are sophisticated enough that like me an independent filmmaker crew out and make my own superhero movie. Like at that point oh. we can get back to this, but I, I don't really know <laughs> that that's going to be that accessible to people, but we'll, we'll see. Right. Totally. Yeah. I, I think I think that has a lot to do with another adjective we use a lot, which is uh, romantic. Like it's a it's a romantic film in in the sort of grand sense. Oh, of yeah, R. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's that's really I think that's what you're talking about is like you know that craft and the the magic, the movie magic of this. It's it's all very romantic, and mm-hmm. uh, it's something that's missing from these big these big films uh and I, I think the last time that anything even came close to this level of of you know capital r romance was um probably first avenger you know yeah. there's a lot of that that sort of yeah. uh, throwback stuff in in first avenger that's very sort of uh, capital r romantic and and movie magic and everything but that was directed by an old school guy yeah. um yeah and and so that's I think that's definitely part of it is these uh, we're getting these new whippersnappers in and they're <laughs> they're they're making a, a different brand of film. And uh, that's OK. You know, yeah. it's not like they're not it's not like they're not good. They're just they're just different. And it's totally. um, yeah, it's it's for a different. Uh, it's like Aim. we talk about the people who who love the Amazing Spider-Man movies. We have listeners who just absolutely love the amazing spider-man movies they think amazing spider-man 2 is a masterpiece and mm-hmm. you know it's that that is a an aesthetic and a and and full of lots of choices that i don't understand but that just mm-hmm. might be because it's not for me um right and right i'm and approach... i'm hoping that we we understand it more when we uh dig deeper into those movies but right, for right, now right. you know as as outsiders not having broken those movies down the way that we have these um mm-hmm. It it just feels like part of a, a of a a filmmaking uh, style that I don't quite understand. Yeah, like this approach, I get. I yeah. get immediately. To yeah. its credit, but... Spider Man Homecoming is my favorite MCU film, and I think I think mm-hmm. they, these two films share a similar um, a similarly strong uh, character arc that. You know, like both films are very character centric. Uh, you know, they're very much yeah. about mm-hmm. Peter, and both films mm-hmm. never mock Peter and his earnestness about being Spider Man um, in the yes. way that yes. every comic book film now does, which is I have to make fun of this because as filmmakers, we're not confident enough that you will believe uh, in the pathos of this character. And for their credit, I don't think any Spider-Man film has ever been ashamed of their char- their lead character and the world that he yeah. operates in. Um, yeah. The yeah. best parts of the Amazing movies to me are there's a moment in Amazing Spider-Man 2 where he drops down an alley and 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 the, the kid, kid, yes. Yeah. And and yeah. the ki- yeah. they're so bold that they bring that kid back again, you know, and and complete <laughs> that circle of of love in your superheroes where he you know, first you the superhero is uh, comforting to you, and then the superhero, mm-hmm. then you are empowered by the superhero. And to me, that's I I wept in that movie. I'm going to be honest. I don't love that movie, but that mm-hmm. moment made me weep in a good way because, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it had no shame about presenting its character like in the kind of all the hokiness of it. You know, as, as meaningful, meaningful. Yeah. and. 
And so like, yeah. you know, I could say no other movies come close to this in superheroes, but I think there is something shared across the Spider-Man movies is that they they always believe in their character. Maybe a little too much so that they make him this like <laughs> emblem for America, but like uh uh <laughs> I, I can't fault any of them for ever chickening out on on who they think Spider-Man is. Well, people love Absolutely. Spidey. They really do. They connect to the character, not just the costume. And I think that's that's why we've had, what is it, five or six? I don't even know how many at this point. Uh, six? Big budget, yeah, six big budget movies with him. And he's still the top top selling uh, superhero in terms of like merchandise sales every year. Like beyond yeah. Superman, beyond Batman. It's, you know... Scrappy Peter Parker. People I'm so him. curious about <laughs> Enter the Spider Verse, which you know I won't. I guess this, that will come out before I'm back on the show again. Um, like, yeah, yeah. So I'll just yeah. throw the gauntlet down now. Is that it seems very kind of like it looks very cool, but it see, it seems it very awesome, like postmodern yeah. and very like you know like hip, right? And I like I'm I'm yeah. worried yeah. like about it. Is it going to be so hip that it's not as earnest as this as these movies? So I mean I don't know mm-hmm. I'll just say that now like people watch that watch that movie keep this in the back of your mind does it pass Dan's test for earnestness <laughs> that's all you're going to be thinking about for months I know you're going to hear this and be haunted by my challenge but I'm putting it out there <laughs> okay uh, like like any movie I'm going to go in hoping for the best and go from there but yeah, yeah. Spidey's God man Spidey's important to a lot of people and um. It's interesting to see the different ways that's being expressed now, but it's also a lot of fun to return to this sort of simpler time with uh, Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And uh, and speaking of people who love Spider-Man, uh, Dan, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, well, you can listen to my podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, where we're uh, diving deep into the Stan Lee, John Romita Sr. run. And you can follow me on Twitter at at Sup Spider Talk. Uh, <laughs> Which was more fitting when we were called Superior Spider Talk, but you can forget that and just say what's up to me, and uh, and, and there we go. Uh, that's where I do all my Spider Man stuff. And if you want to find out any other nerdy stuff that's not Spider Man related that I do, and most of it is quite nerdy, you can mm-hmm. follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for this one, Dan. I love it. I wish yeah. I could hang around longer, but I got to go edit the show. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got yeah. a deadline in the morning, but yeah. Right. No, you guys are slave drivers over here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we will be back on Monday. In the meantime, if you want to go check out our Patreon page at duelinggenre.com/slash support, uh, you can become a Patreon member and gain access to the Weekend Bugle, uh, our podcast where. Zach and I talk about all things Spider-Man and geek culture related. So if that sounds like something interesting to you, go check that out. That's duelinggenre.com slash support. Become a Patreon member. And we will be back on Monday with Minute 61. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.